exactly rambling because it was a well-planned trip, but our friend Tom Scateri is back from a, uh, a trip with the Secretary of Defense overseas. Yep. And then uh, yesterday we had uh, President Biden was in Kiev. Did you get it, with, uh, Tom, when you guys were um, uh, on, with the SecDef, any indication that, that a trip like this one to Kiev was being planned? They, they kept it pretty close to the vest, but did you have any... Any you know little little slips up there? Anybody say something that gave you an indication something could be in the works? They did, but before I get to that, Howard, I want you to I'm going to stun you guys because I am your okay. David Rice Atkinson scholar. Actually, all right. Actually, oh, yeah. I actually know about this because I was a his, I am a history nerd and always have been. And somehow, when I was in high school, okay, I was looking. I was doing something on the presidency of the United States, and I realized that uh, Polk, who was president, went out of office on the 3rd of March. This is when they had the March changeover. It's not like now. And because the date of the um, the next was a Sunday, in other words, it was a Sabbath day, uh, the incoming president, uh, you know, didn't want to be sworn in on Sunday. And so, therefore, there technically was no, in a sense, president of the United States. So because uh, Atchison was Senate pro tem of the Senate, he was, and there was no vice president, he was the next in line to be president. So he was the acting chief executive. Now, he never was sworn into office. So technically, you know, he was never president. And he, he used to joke, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, he used to joke about it, being president for the day, uh, you know. And on his tombstone, he's buried in Missouri. He's from Missouri. He was a sen- senator from Missouri. His grave marker says "President of the United States for one day." Total news. But he didn't. He didn't get a number. He wasn't there long enough to get a number. He wasn't number no. forty-eight or anything, right? He, he no, got no, no number because he never was sworn in. And te- he liked to joke. He used to joke. Apparently, I wasn't there to hear this, obviously. And he goes, "I'm the only president <laughs> that slept through his entire term." You know. <laughs> but uh, the other thing I found out, which will just because it's trivia, and I'll get to the important stuff in a minute, was. You know, we think of George okay. Washington as the first. We think of George Washington as the first president of the United States. Of course, he, he he was. But before he was president, remember this country was independent. He was president under the Constitution, and we were governed by the Articles of Confederation. And so, the chief executive of of the Congress was essentially uh, in the role of the president. What we know as the president of the United States, it was different. So. You know, the first there were these chief executives before Washington who were essentially the leaders of the United States. Which I, John Hanson was the first one, and there was others. But so, you know, I I, I, I find this stuff is very interesting. These things, that, you know, the, how they happen. Bob, you're my presidential historian. How come you didn't know all this stuff? Not anymore. It's Tom. That's who it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you, Tom. Thank you very much. No, this is this is fascinating stuff. We we spent most of the day yesterday doing presidential trivia, and none of this stuff came up. So next next year, Bob, we'll have more trivia to talk about, right? We can test the audience if they remember who who the one day president was. We, I hope to be here, Howard, and we and, and we will we'll, we'll we'll remind them. See, it sounds like a game show, doesn't it? President for a day. It's, <laughs> appreciate your help on. I mean, seriously, that uh, that total news to me. And, Bob, apparently Alan from Neffs was right. And he usually is. So, again, thanks, Alan, and thanks, Tom. Yeah. All right. Very good, Tom. 
All right, and that's I will I will say that is important. But let us continue with other important stuff, which is the president's visit and also your trip overseas. And I'll repeat mm-hmm. the question: Did you did you have any, have any indication that he was going to be taking this uh, surreptitious trip into the Ukraine? We did, and uh, it, it was it was a heavy it was a heavy like dew, like a Carolina morning. Uh, it was. It was really obvious to many of us on the trip that something was happening. And we had heard this before. As soon as Biden announced he was going to Poland, um, the speculation took off because, obviously, Poland borders on Ukraine. And, and the train uh, that goes to Kiev, the other dignitaries, other, you know, President Macron, Prime Minister you know, Johnson when he was there in the U.K. and others, they left from Poland on the train. So, you know, where Biden was going to appear in Poland, was very close to that. There was a lot of troops there. Uh, there was sort of an uptick in activity, noticeable to uh, those who know what to listen for. And I'm not saying it was a slam dunk that I knew this, but it did, you know, I, I kept people kept saying to me, "Do you think Biden will go to Ukraine?" And I said, "If if I was going to bet on, it, I'd bet yes." And um, he did. And you know, it's a very interesting trip. He didn't take Air Force One. He left the day earlier than he was supposed to. He didn't. Do you know the? If I don't want to bore you with these details, if you know this, but but he left. No, no. I, actually, I, was, I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask you for the details because I'm curious. The secrecy, and let's talk about that. Yeah. And the security. I mean, the Ukraine is not under um, U.S. air control. Uh, no, it's not. I mean, so security just, had to have been a real, real antsy thing, I would think. But you know more about this than I do. You're the international correspondent. I want to hear the details. You're, you're absolutely correct on this. You know, when presidents, like when President Trump went to Afghanistan, President Obama and others who go to visit our, our troops in war zones, those are almost always, there are always areas where the U.S. military is there, they have security, and they control the airspace, as you point out. None of this existed in Ukraine. There are no U.S. troops in Ukraine that they tell us, except for the small U.S. Marine detachment at the embassy. I think two military personnel accompanied by, and certainly one did, carrying the nuclear football. You know what that is, of course. That's the thing that launches the code. And probably a military mm-hmm. doctor. Uh, but no, you know, just, we don't have any planes. And now there were planes, there were AWACS and U.S. fighters in Poland the whole time, you know, monitoring the situation. The United States did tip off Russia that Biden was going in on the train. They told them for deconfliction. I find that medical- interesting. I, I, I find that really interesting, Tom, that they – I mean, I, I get it. Uh, don't want to yeah. suddenly have a, a well, mistake yeah. of some kind. But I found it interesting they learned of Putin ahead of time. Well, I don't know if they learned Putin, but they learned the Russians, let's put it that way. I don't know. I, I'm not quite sure how that works. Uh, you know, okay. the, North, the, right. Pentagon has a, the Pentagon has a deconfliction line with Russia, uh, you know, what you and I used to call a hotline. Um, but I think yeah. this might have been a State Department call to the, you know, Lavrov's office. But, you know, but Putin would know, obviously. They would not, not tell Putin, let's, let's put it that way. But, you know, that's one of those things you do because you don't want there to be an accidental, uh, you know, take out of the train or intense shelling of Kiev when Biden's there. Uh, and I think the Russians are smart enough to know to, to avoid that. So that's good. So anyway, you know, he left, he left a day early, Biden. He left in the middle of the night, no motorcade from the White House to Andrews. He didn't fly what on the plane that we know of as Air Force One. Uh, he uh, he flew on a modified plane, a smaller plane, and it went by the code word CAM 060, means Special Air Mission. 
okay, as opposed to Air Force mm. One. Because whatever plane you're not, the president's on, it doesn't have to be the plane. He could be on yeah, a wherever he is. Plane. is Air Force One technically. Correct, right. correct. You know, on a cargo plane, or whatever. So it, it, it left from Andrews, you know, but it, it was down there and it refueled in Germany. And then it shut off its transponder, which is the device that you know you and I could follow. It's for the hour flight from Germany to the Polish border. And then he boarded the train for a 10-hour trip, overnight trip to Kiev, 10 hours, one way. And it's kind of a joke here because, you know, when Biden was a senator, he used to go home to Delaware every day on the Amtrak train. <laughs> Amtrak Joe. And, yeah, Amtrak Joe, right? And people say, well, he's probably, probably on Amtrak he had a 10-hour drive on flight train right anyway, you know. But, uh, you know, he, he, he arrived there, you know, Monday morning, 8, 8 a.m. yesterday, you know, Kiev time. And, you know, he went in the motorcade. They didn't, they didn't, no one, in, I mean, obviously, when people in Kiev saw a motorcade going through, they got suspicious. But two reporters went with them uh, on this leg, and uh, they had to turn over all their uh, recording equipment, phones, et cetera, to the White House people. And uh, they knew where he was going, obviously, and they weren't allowed to report until he was back in Poland. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, you know, it was, uh, let me see, I, I got to read out. Sullivan went, you know, obviously, uh, his um, Secret Service detail did go. But, again, they're not, they're civilians. They're not, uh, you know, they're not um, military. So there you go, you know. This is the first time a president has gone to a conflict zone, as you pointed out, where the United States or its allies did not have control over the airspace. Well, there's clearly a statement that was being made by that, obviously, uh, which I guess essentially means that even though we're not here, we, being the United States, we are with you. I assume that's the statement the president was making. Yeah. So it, it was a very symbolic, very uh, important statement being made. Was there any value to this other than that? Were there... I think he met with President Zelensky. Did they have did. any serious conversations? Any, do we know what happened there? Are we looking at now sending more whatever? I mean, what, what yeah. other than symbolism, what came from this? Well, he did announce this, another aid package, another military aid package to Ukraine. By relative standards, it's a little bit smaller. I mean, not to your eye. You know, it's, uh, it's about, let me get the number here, it's about $350 million, I think. Uh, in aid, yeah, 460, excuse me, and it's a lot of ammunition and, and, and material like that. So he announced that they're with Zelensky, and he met with others, of course, and they took a walk around Kiev, and so people saw him there. Listen, uh, to have the President of the United States show up in Kiev for the Ukrainians is a big deal, you know, and symbolically in honor, you know, the year anniversary, one year is this week on Friday. He's now, he Biden's back in Poland, of course, and he's making a speech maybe now or, or soon. Putin already made his speech about two hours ago. Um, so, you know, it, it's, a, it's a great symbolic thing, um, but there's a lot of work to be done. And I'm, I'll segue in a moment to my trip and other things of why I say that. But I, I think it's a really impressive thing that this was kept quiet. Uh, one of the details I like from one of the reporters who filed it, I'll share it with you. you know, they, they sealed off the streets in Kiev, obviously, to so, you know, they can walk around and not be worried about motorcades. And the reporter said right. it was so quiet uh, that when Biden and Zelensky were walking to the St. Michael's Cathedral, it was so quiet you could hear the crows, which um, and people in Kiev were saying, we haven't heard the birds for, for so long, you know, <laughs> because of traffic. Wow. I mean, just kind of, you know, very nice weather, you know, 
let's walk in and, and take a look, what Brian said. You know, they went inside the cathedral, and there were air raid alarms that went off, you know, and stuff like that. Um, you know, but it was just, it's just kind of an interesting, it was just very interesting. And, you know, Biden, that's how he is. You know, a lot of people don't like Biden, and I get that. But having covered him, and he's always been like this. He's going to do something, he's going to do it. And I think his age, actually, when you get older like we are, and Biden's older than you and I, you kind of say, hey, uh, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I saw some uh, speculation in some of the stories I read were his military advisors and or Secret Service in tune with this, or did he have to say, I don't care what you guys want to say, I'm going to go anyway? And I didn't hear a response to that in any of the stories I read, but I'm sure that it had to be at least a lot of red flags raised by by the people who protect him by saying, Mr. President, are you sure? I, I would assume that had to be the case. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's, that doesn't mean they oppose the trip. They're doing their jobs. I mean, folks at the Pentagon, for example, uh, you know, they, they work on these logistics, and they, 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 they hate these kind of trips, you know, because they're out of the loop, essentially, once he crosses the border. You know, there's no U.S. military, as we've said a couple times now. They are in, you know, panic mode, in, not in the sense that they fret every second, as every, a lot of other people do. But, you know, when you look at the risks involved, and the key, again, is going back to what we said earlier in the show, you know, you let the Russians know you got to you got to have a certain amount of trust in the Russians. You're not going to the danger is less if the Russians know, unless the Russians or anybody wants to do something. And then if they want to do something, that's a whole different equation. Any anyway, you know, think about it. Right. If he's on the train and that train gets hit by a, a Russian missile or a Russian fighter decides to take it out as part of their normal attacks on Ukraine. Not knowing Biden's in that train, even though it's a special train. Uh, think of what would happen, you know, after that. So there's a lot of yeah, let's risks, not. But you know, let's not think about it, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of risks. So um, and it worked. <laughs> it's always nice when it works, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's always nice when it actually works. It, I, I want to stress again, then I want to get to your trip. But I, I just want to po- say again, so everybody gets this. This is not the same situation as when most American presidents, Democrat or Republican, go into a war zone where we have troops fighting uh, and and supports the troops, the people who, you know, uh, Trump going over for Thanksgiving or, you know, whatever. This is not the same thing. This is a, a war zone that we have no control over. We have no troops there. We have no uh, air security there. We're in, we're in, we're in foreign territory. And here's yeah. the president of the United States walking boldly through the town. Uh, th- th- we don't even have troops around. I mean, that's that's an amazing thing. But you got to stop and think about it because it's too easy to let this fall into the same image as again Trump or Obama or Clinton or or Bush or anybody else going to visit troops in our own war zone. This is a really different thing. Yeah, exactly. But, and it's been, and it's all, let's not forget that other leaders of other countries have done the same thing, including and other members of our Congress, and you know Speaker Pelosi, for example, and Republican and Democratic members of Congress have gone as well, and they do the same route. They take the train in, and and they have you know less fanfare, but still, it's not it's not just you know an easy trip. <laughs> and that means a lot to the people. Well. In the you were you were doing some traveling. We were together yeah. last week because you were traveling overseas. You went to SecDef. Um, where'd you go? What'd you do? What'd you learn? 
Mm-hmm. My trip was a lot easier. <laughs> I did leave from Andrews <laughs> Air Force Base, and we flew out on the plane, which is affectionately known as the Doomsday Plane. Um, that's the plane where well, should there be a nuclear. <laughs> well, it actually is because, in theory, you know, if something happens, you're with the Secretary of Defense, and that plane is not supposed to be able to be taken down by electromagnetic pulse or anything like that. But it's very interesting. We went to Brussels where there was a meeting of the Ukraine contact group and then a NATO defense minister's meeting. And then Secretary Austin went on to Tallinn, Estonia, one of the three Baltic nations that have been in the front line and fiercely arguing that we need to beat Russia and not just you know keep the war going. And then he stopped on the way back on Friday from Estonia on his way back here to D.C. in Germany at the location where they are training the Ukrainian or the U.S forces are training Ukrainian forces. So that was very interesting to see. The first class is, uh, in being trained on um, Paladins, which is a movable howitzer artillery, and um, the, uh, the uh, Abrams, I'm uh, not the Abrams, excuse me, the Bradley fighting vehicles are there. They're essentially completing that training, and the next group is coming in, or they came in over the weekend. It was a very, very interesting trip. Uh, NATO was, you know, meetings were great. I thing about the good thing about the NATO meetings is it gives reporters like myself the opportunity to, to the mill around and talk to people from other countries to get a wider perspective on how they think, in this case, the war is going and what should be done. And the Estonians were just, I, I have this experience with all the Baltic defense folks is they are, they are outspoken. And they, the Estonian, I did an interview with the one guy from the defense office who I had been playing tag with long distance, and I met him there, he says, Putin's winning the war. I mean, you never hear that coming out from the Pentagon. No, <laughs> you know, so no. you get a different perspective entirely. So it, it, was, a, it was a marvelous trip. And I, I, I never, on a personal note, I had never been to Brussels, and the weather was very nice. We were there for three, three nights, which is unusual on a trip like this because there were so many meetings. And so I got to see a place in Europe that I had never been. And so from a personal perspective, it was a good work trip, and I got a couple nice meals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't beat that. Can't beat that. No. Uh, all right, real quick, you, you, alluded, you alluded to this a minute ago. Yeah. We are hitting the, we are at the one-year anniversary of the invasion. Yeah. Where are we? Where are we? Well, the president was there. He says we stand with Ukraine. I'm sure, you know, he was giving a very positive. But where are we? Where, where are we a year later? If you talk to the Estonians, which I'll talk about again, they think that Putin's winning because he likes wars of attrition. He'll hang in there, and he'll hang in there, and he'll hang in there, hoping that the other side gets tired or just stops. And they point to Ukraine before with Crimea, South Georgia, et cetera. Uh, just yesterday, sort of on this one-year anniversary week, the foreign minister uh, of Lithuania basically said the same thing. It's, it's great. We're giving Ukraine support. We're keeping them in the game. He didn't use those words. But what's our plan to win? You know, what's our plan for victory? And I think that's where we game? are now, Howard. Yeah, what's the end game? I think that's where we are now, where people are starting to say, oh, great, we kept Ukraine alive, Putin didn't take it over, they're getting stronger, the, you know, like you just said, the troops are being trained, more, more weapons are going in. That's all important and all good. We're starting to get some financial aid together for Ukraine, that's good. But what's the end game? You put it very well. And no one's able to answer that question, and I think that's the question that needs to be answered. Well, one year in, we'll continue to have the reporting from you. I appreciate it, Tom. Thanks a lot. I'm glad you had a safe trip. And uh, uh, you're flying. Any, you, you doing any more traveling before we get together again? Or are you, are you, have you decided to become an international correspondent once again? 
No, that was fun. You know, I got to tell you quickly, it's nice traveling with the Secretary of Defense. You don't have to worry about customs. You know, you get a motorcade from the airport to your hotel. That's all very nice. Uh, it spoils you, so I think I'll just wait. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tom, appreciate uh, the info. Good reporting today, as always. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, Tom Scateri from the, uh, well, our Pentagon reporter and international correspondent here, uh, just back from a trip with the Secretary of Defense overseas and, of course, uh, reporting on uh, Biden's trip to uh, uh, to Kiev as well. Bob, like I said uh, at the end of that, you know, you got to stop and think. This is not the same thing as going into our war zone where we have troops who can protect. We have planes and all sorts of military, you know, security. It's going into a, literally into a, into a no-man's land. Kind of like one of those uh, strategies where you're you're hiding in plain sight. You know, you don't make a big deal out yeah. of it where people just don't notice you, really. Right, exactly. I mean, it, broad daylight yesterday, he's walking through the middle of town. And I get we, we, we let the Russians know that this was going to happen because you didn't want them to be I won't say by mistake, not that. You didn't want them to decide that, well, you know, uh, Monday's the day we should do some bombing in Kiev again. You didn't want that if the president's there. At least we hope you don't. Conversely, if if it hit Putin the wrong way, it could be the day he says, why don't we go hit Kiev while the president is there? Dangerous stuff. Dangerous stuff. But um, I, I think it, made a, it certainly made a powerful statement. For those of us who believe that it's important to support Ukraine, it certainly made a powerful statement.